Rex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today, I have uh, Coleman Jones with me. How are you doing, Coleman? I'm doing good, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So rather than me um, kind of talking about you uh, and your company, your, you, uh, your company's uh, Jones and Lamberti Builders, is that correct? That's it. Yeah, we go by JNL Builders. Oh, okay, JNL Builders. And uh, so let's just let's just kick it off a little bit and jump right into it, Coleman. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and kind of you know from there, kind of tell us kind of where you from where you grew up to where you're at now. I grew up in a small town in Northern California. Orville, California. The nicest part of that town is they have a very large lake. The rest of it, not so appealing. So it's <laughs> one of those places that it's a good place to leave. I grew up, my dad owns an automotive repair facility in town. And so I grew up from middle school working my way through the body shop. So I would ride my skateboard from middle school a couple miles to shop and I would detail the cars after they were finished painted. So detailing in the summers kind of nice when you're washing cars, detailing in the middle of winter, not so fun. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, so so I, what you, what I grew you do up you... doing that. Go ahead. I, I grew up doing that all the way through high school. And then I thought I wanted to be a computer programmer. So from high school, I went to a community college and I had an econ teacher that said, your assignment is to go sit down with somebody doing the job that you want and shadow them for the day. Mm -hmm. So I looked for those guys. I went there and I hung out with them and there was about eight guys in a very dimly lit room staring at computers punching code and I thought oh my gosh I cannot do this and so I had to figure something else out and for me for construction I was back at the body shop and one of my dad's buddies he had driven up in a Ford GT supercar and I was like that that is amazing what do you do for a living <laughs> and and of course he was in construction he was a residential developer out of chico california mm -hmm. so i went i asked him if i could shadow him so i went and i checked it out and i was pretty much sold and so i transferred from community college over to csu chico into the construction management department and from there I got my first internship with a residential builder. So I spent the summer doing spec homes and quickly found out that residential was not for me. It was way too repetitive mm -hmm. doing the same footprint over and over and over again. And so I almost, I almost quit that, but I decided I wanted to spend a summer in San Diego and I wanted to do a commercial project. And so I interviewed with some large commercial contractors and Rudolph and Sutton gave me an opportunity to go down to San Diego for the summer. And I was 
helping a large remodel on the Museum of Contemporary Arts in San Diego. And that's where I pretty much fell in love with commercial construction. So then fast forward when I graduated school, I went on board with Rudolph and Sutton building large projects for Kaiser Permanente, Women's and Children's Center, um, emergency rooms, other hospital type things, just a large $400 million project with the team. And so spent 11 years with them, building my way up to senior project manager with them. And then just had an itch to build something more than just projects. And so my business partner and I stepped out from the large corporation in 2018. And we started JNL Builders, which is focused on the Northern California, Sacramento area on commercial tenant improvements. And we, we really like to be able to service our clients and work with end users, people that are other entrepreneurs that are needing the space built out so they can get in there, show it off, and start pulling in revenue from their companies. Well, that sounds like uh, uh, exciting. You got to got to see a lot of uh, a lot of things that you know uh, and experience something. Um, now, I guess you're glad that you uh, you shattered some people, huh? I think it's very crucial. I had amazing mentors and amazing executives and VPs at Rudolph and Sutton that really allowed me to learn as much as I wanted to. And I was always really hungry to get to the next step. And I was always asking, what do I need to learn to get to the next step? What What is the next position doing that I could do? And so, yeah, I, I owe a lot to that company and then several key people from that company that definitely helped me out and gave me opportunities. So you told us a little bit about JNL Builders. Can you kind of expand upon it? What year did you guys uh, get started and and uh, kind of what's your core focus and some of your plans for the future? Absolutely. We got started in March of 2018, a few years ago. And it was my business partner, Gary Lamberti, and myself. And we we funded the business on our own. So we both put $5,000 into a bank account and we started living off of savings that we, we worked or we saved up through the years prior. And we just, we hustled and grinded like crazy that year. And we did everything from running small projects to I guess, larger but small projects for a new company. And we finished up the year at about 750000 in revenue. The next year, we were able to expand our relationships and get got larger projects. And then, so we jumped up to about $3 million. We were able to bring on our first superintendent, ended up firing our first superintendent because he was the wrong fit, but then brought on some other key players. So we go to second year, three million. Year after that, we double again, and now sitting here over well within the eight-year mark for our company, and we have several key staff members on board, and it's it's just been an amazing ride. It's 
the big thing is we, we don't do a lot of marketing. Mm-hmm. We do a ton of servicing our clients where we, we will definitely bid against other GCs, but we like to keep our relationships the top of mind. So we want to make sure that, that our clients are getting everything they want. We don't, we don't find the holes in the drawings at the beginning of the job and change order. As soon as we get a contract, we don't do that. We're not geared. We do a little bit of public works when we have some different on-call contracts with the city of Sacramento and we've been asked to look at some other projects, but we're just, we're not set up as a hard bid GC. We're mm-hmm. more of a relationship and then continue to do multiple projects with the same client. They refer us to other build, um, commercial developers or business building owners, and then we make sure that we service them and give them a great product, and then we just continue to build that way. Well, that's some pretty amazing growth over a short period of time. Um, so how are you guys preparing for the future? I think to prepare for the future, you have to work extremely hard today. You can't be short-sighted. So, so what I mean is when one of my clients, when there's a um, project that has an issue, like right now, it's incredibly difficult to get TPO roofing or electrical switchgear. And so mm-hmm. I do everything possible to make sure that we get through those hurdles. And so it's the 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 work that you put in right now is what's going to help in the future. And it's, it's never, I tell my guys all the time, it's never about this one job. We're not worried about hitting a home run on this one project. We're worried about the lifetime relationship with this client because we, we could do a, a few million dollars and struggle through it, have a difficult time, a lot of conflict and then be one and done or, we can have some empathy, we can have some understanding, we can we can talk, we can work through everything, and then it turns into $100 million over the next 20 years. And so by focusing on the clients you have now and then bringing in new clients, that's how we prepare for the future. Well, you know, um, you, you get it. Um, and I say you get it because one thing I talk about all the time is that customer services is dead in construction. Uh, I don't think it's quite dead, but it's on life support. That's for sure. (laughs) And, uh, but people like you, people like you get it because they realize it's not just about today. It's about the future. And, uh, so you know, good job there. I mean, that's, I'm glad to hear people out there doing it. And, uh, I get asked all the time, what's a successful business model? I just simply say this, just do a good job. <laughs> it's just simply that. Do do a good job and answer your phone. I have uh, probably several million dollars this year just by answering your phone. And I have clients and architects that will just comment on it. Like you always answer your phone. And if I don't, if I'm in another meeting or I'm like on a call with another client, I just do a, a quick message to them. Hey, I'm in a meeting, but I'll call you back as soon as I'm done. And so it's just, it's showing that they're important because how many times have you needed something, you called customer service, sent them an email or something, and they get back to you within a couple of days, or you have to call them multiple times. 
who's going to feel comfortable with a contractor coming into their space to do, build their their things if they can't even get a hold of you. You need to be able to provide confidence and confidence in what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about um, you know some of the events that have occurred that kind of shaped the business model that you have today. I and, think and, before we start, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was going to mention about uh, you know because. We've had the pandemic. We've had multiple different things that have occurred. We had the, you know, material uh, shortages, and and I'm always interested in finding out how that's kind of shaped who you are, especially someone like yourself and your business that's been successful. Well, even before we started our company, there's things that shaped that were significant that shaped our business model. When you're working with a large corporation, a lot of times they have systems and processes in place that may not be as, as efficient as you'd like them to be, or mm -hmm. they may have a certain way of doing things that probably isn't the best or could be done better. And many of those things that I would notice and I would speak up at in our executive meetings, I would, I just wouldn't, it wouldn't be received very well and it wouldn't be implemented and it was more so um, this is the way that we do it uh -huh. and so that along with I always I always think like so many business owners so many companies see their staff as as liabilities and if you change that mindset and see them as assets and then you understand that your your biggest asset drives home and back to work every single day and you treat them like their assets, then the whole mindset's different on how you how you treat your team members. And then for me as a general contractor, you expand that out into your subcontract world and then your architect and owner world. I never want to get on a job where it is my subcontractors, myself against the architect and the owner. That I've seen it in the past. I've I've unfortunately gone through that. It's not fun in owning my own business. That's not the way that any of my team members or we are ever going to act. A great job is where the client gets what they paid for with the quality should be above what they paid for or what they expected. It, it's, they should walk into the finished space and just be like very excited. The architect should have an easy time with the general contractor. There's no reason for the general contractors to send over pointed RFIs that are throwing them under the bus. Help the architect out. They make your life easier. And then your subcontractor. Make sure that they're efficient so they can make money on the project. And then they will continue to do multiple projects with you over and over again. You'll get pricing breaks. You'll get favors. You'll get these different things. So if it's, you're in the team mentality to to focus on the finished goal, that's going to build the best environment for these projects. Other things, yeah, we definitely went through COVID. It was it was more of an annoyance. We had half of our projects shut down, so we shifted all of our guys on the jobs. I got shut down to the ones that were still running. I knew mm -hmm. plenty of people that did massive layoffs. Fortunately, we did not 
our guys, they all have mortgages, they have kids in schools, they have bills. And so we took the hit on the company and kept the guys rolling with their paycheck until the other jobs started back up. So that's, so, kind of, I guess that's a few things. So, um, you know, let, let me turn this a little bit to you as an individual. Um, and I, I know a lot of people who, you know, are in your position are, are very humble about, so try not to be too humble here, but what, what skills and ability do you think you possess that have helped your business succeed and have helped you in your career in general? I know that my skills, I listen really well. And so when a client is saying what they want, I listen, I write it down and I deliver that. The problem with that sometimes is that they change their mind or they don't really know what they want. And so we can deliver, but then they ultimately wanted something else. So that's like the one-off cases. But I think listening, understanding, and caring about the clients, like actually caring about my team members and actually caring about subs and, and architects and, and kind of doing this whole life together really helps out with the business and the growth. Plus, I've done everything. I started this company with my business partner. I'm still the CFO. We've done all of our admin for a couple of years until we brought admin on. We've done all of our business development. We, we almost run the company separately because Garrett does, he has clients that will call him directly and then he will still oversee those projects. And I have clients that will call me up directly. And so we will do our own business development. We'll walk the jobs. We still estimate our projects. And then we have foremen or superintendents that will run the projects. And then we're bringing on more engineer and PM level positions. But some of the projects, we don't have coverage on the, that staff yet. So. Garrett will PM some of his projects. I'll PM some of my projects. And so we've done everything from all sort, all of the different job descriptions. So having that foundation knowledge is really helpful. And, that, you know, nothing better to learn than uh, being a founder of your business and having to do everything because you figure out, <laughs> uh, at least I did. You know, uh, uh, there's some things you're really good at and some things you, you know, somebody else could do much, much better. Oh, well, yeah. When I was when I was working for a company, I had it was it was a massive several trailers put together. I had a huge team of people and I had a huge field staff. And it was it was more so managing the team and keeping everything rolling. Now, when you go from that, when you go from working for a company that does a billion dollars in California a year to your own startup to where you're not taking any of their work because we're not really competitors. When you're doing a, a $400 million hospital and you're a new company, <laughs> you're not really going into that realm. You really, you have to, you have to do it. There's no other option. It, everything needs to get done. And you either do it or you don't do it. And I'm going to do it because 
I want to get to the, the next several levels. So I love this next question. And this next question, I think, is just so valuable, especially to some of our younger listeners. Listen, listeners, um, if you had to go back and talk to 18-year-old Coleman and give him advice on what he shouldn't, should and shouldn't do, both professionally and personally, what advice would you give him? I would say that I'd probably tell him to just to kind of relax and and understand that you will be able to achieve everything that you want and then just you need patience and then a lot of hard work over the next period of time or a long period of time i would it took us six years to actually from the first time we started talking about leaving to actually opening our doors and that, that was i look back at that and think about how crazy that was but i felt like i needed the big income i needed to to do all these things. I needed to have a lot of money in the bank because I had two kids already and, and we were adopting our daughter when we moved, when we left. And it's like, I felt like that time period was, there's just too much planning and not enough action. And I would go back and, and tell myself that you need hard work, dedication, focus, and you have to take massive action towards your goals and you I would be five years for along the road I'm sure further along that that's some great that's some great advice actually uh you know the the whole patience thing I think that's something that we all uh focus especially in construction if we're successful in construction a certain dynamic of a person and uh um and patience is a is a tough thing given that dynamic of that person so uh what about you know, if you, you, you mentioned your partner there, um, uh, you know, how did you guys, uh, did you guys work together before? How, how did that kind of come to, I never got that answer. We did. We, so we both worked for Rudolph and Sutton and Garrett was coming off of a project. I was coming off of a project. And so we were, we were headed back to the main office, which we were both in operations didn't like the office, didn't like the cubicles. We were meant for being on a job on in a trailer running the project. So the the office was set up kind of weird. It it was it had this very back area that had a couple cubicles and I was like, if I'm going in the office, I'm going to the back so I don't have to be bugged. <laughs> and and so Garrett ended up at the cubicle next to me. And we were just talking. We kind of knew each other. We didn't graduate the same time in college. He graduated a little bit sooner than me. So he was another level up in the company. And so we just started talking. He was like, we should hang out sometime, which like so many people do. And then they never actually put something to it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's hang out sometime. He's like, all right, how about this Friday? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let's do it. So. We uh, we just we just started hanging out and we both found out that we had 
the drive and the desire to build more than just projects and build a company. And so then we just started working on on plans and like I said, planned a lot. And you know, first couple of years it was more like we could do this better. We're making the company a bunch of money, blah, 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 blah. And then after a couple of years, it was like, are you serious? Cause I'm serious. Let's, let's do this. And then we started going into the, the actual planning stages. And I will so say we, that go ahead. starting a company and building a company is much more difficult <laughs> than being an, an executive <laughs> or a senior PM level. Cause it is, there's just way more to it and I would never go back. I love it. Well, you know, the funny thing is there's some people who are meant to be founders, you know, and, uh, those are the, you kind of, kind of got to have, I think you got to be a little bit, uh, 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 you got to enjoy pain to a certain degree and have a huge risk tolerance. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, what do you think, you know, you and Garrett, what do you think you, you guys, you know, what is, how do you complement each other? I guess is my big question. So from early on, I would say that Garrett was way better at talking about his abilities and his successes. And I was always, I'm a more like a situational extrovert. I lean towards the introvert. I have I have worked on it, but early on, it, it was very difficult for me to go out and meet somebody new and tell them how great we are and what we've accomplished in the past. Garrett was excellent at that and really helped us out. And then early on, I had more knowledge on the field side. So when we got our, our first actual tenant improvement, I was on site as the superintendent and so we complemented each other there and then we still we still complement each other we have different we're different people so we have different ways of thinking but we always we always come back and come to an agreement and it's it's always what's best for the company what's best for the team what helps us with our position and and future in this market so, uh, you know, I want to kind of move on to the speed round, but before I do, I want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to, to, uh, uh, you know, talk about, you know, the, you know, what I'm really interested in is when you say things like work together as a team and draw the subcontractors in to be part of a, a team approach and treating them fairly and treating the owners fairly, that's kind of, um, uh, you don't mind me saying it's it's, it's kind of uh, an anomaly. It really is. And how do you take somebody who's in the industry, say a subcontractor, that's used to the way most people operate, where it's an adversarial relationship, and bring them into the fold of your belief system about hey, working together as a team? Well, there's. There's some not so good companies out there and there's some great companies out there. So I don't think if, if they're set in that way and they don't want to change, there's other, there's other companies out there. I mean, the ones that we have, 
the ones that we have, a lot of them we've gone to lunch with. We interviewed some of them. Some of them, some of the subcontractors interviewed us. They they wanted to see who they were signing up with, and and so we just on when we find a new subcontractor that we want to work with, we'll basically do a trial run, and it's for them as well because they may not want to do another job with us. Mm-hmm. You know, our our whole mentality may not align with them, and they may not like that, which is fine. And so we'll bring them in. And we'll do a project and we'll see how it goes. And if everything goes great, then we'll continue and add them to the preferred list for that specialty trade and continue to grow a relationship. Great insight there. So let's move on to the speed round. Now we have eight different categories. I'd like you to rate them from one to 10, 10 being the most important, one being the least important, and they could all be tens, you know? Uh, because the it, it's it's uh, fairly difficult to 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 you know rate one above the other, and I recognize that. And if you want to expound upon why you gave it uh, that number, feel free. So with that, we'll start off with uh, with scheduling. Yeah, this is funny because I I did see these different items, and I'm thinking these are all ten, and I could tell you exactly <laughs> why schedule. Scheduling is dev, all of this stuff works together to to produce an an excellent project. Scheduling is so important, and without a schedule, the owner doesn't know when they're going to have furniture. When when do they need the furniture delivered? When do they get to move in? When is their grand opening? Without a schedule, subcontractors don't know when to give us put manpower on the schedule. Without you don't know when inspections are. So scheduling is very important and we drive it home to our team all the time. And it's, if, if you build a schedule, it's not there to be changed all the time because you forgot to call a sub. A schedule is just as important as the drawings and you need to be looking at it two weeks ahead, calling those specialty contractors, making sure that that you're on their schedule so the day so you're not calling on the, the next you know today to see where they're at tomorrow it's like hey can you come in tomorrow like that doesn't work <laughs> that's that's not a good general contractor get your schedules down stick to your schedules if there's changes bring those in but but don't change it just because you forgot to call us up estimating Another one, it's, it's super crucial to 10 if, if you're too conservative, too much money in your estimate, you're never going to get a job. If your estimate is way off, then, then you're going to lose money. And the goal is for everybody to make a fair amount on the project. Plus with your estimate, if your scope's not covered and you're either going to What's, what's the typical thing a, a GC is going to do? You're going to either shove it down a subcontractor's throat or you're going to submit to the owner for a change order or you're going to eat it. So my suggestion is make sure you do your due diligence when you're looking at the project and the drawings. And when you get your sub quotes in, make sure you're reaching out, talking to them, making sure that they have all the scopes, all the specified items. If they made a substitution, get that cleared before you send in your final proposal. 
Now, the next two categories is contracts, actual physical paper contract. And the second one is contract administration. That's the execution of the contract, or as I commonly refer to it as the division one requirements. So contracts are definitely important. I have, we have not used any of the legal verbiage in our history so far. And even when I was with a, a large contractor, it was one of those things that was there and then signed. And then when the, the specialty contractor would come on site, we would review with their field guys so they didn't have any confusion. So it's definitely important, but it's also one of those things if you're if you're throwing your contracts at your subcontractors all the time, then there's a problem. It should be more so a relationship and it's it's not a backup, it's a necessity, but it's not one of those things where you should be pulling out the um, legal sentences out of the different paragraphs and sending it to them every week to get them to perform. If if that's the case, then you're probably partnered with the the wrong contractor. Mm -hmm. And then administration portion that that's definitely critical too. I mean, it it takes a lot to keep the project and keep the company rolling. So you need to have the right people focused on the right thing to keep everything going in the right direction. Design. Design's funny because even in our world where it's um, design build projects, most of the time the owner will hire the architect and then we'll have the mechanical, electrical, plumbing, fire alarm, fire sprinkler subs do design build. And you definitely get to know the different design professionals and whose drawings are better. And I would say in this market where everybody is so extremely busy, having a solid design with clear information is going to be crucial for the project because design has to get approved and get permitted. And nobody wants to go through back check three, four, five times because there was issues. No, and then the owner, if they have it, if there's a communication failure between the architect and what's on the drawings, generally what I'm doing is taking the the design drawings and I'm walking with subs and we're bidding that out. So it's very crucial for the owner to have a competent architect that is making sure the design is solid. So it's it's definitely important. Accounting. Accounting's fun. I, I was, <laughs> I'd say it's <laughs> nice if you have an account, accounting department uh, <laughs> or a, we have a great CPA, everything else. I am the CFO of the company. So I still cut all of the checks, which is a, a big deal to me because I like to pay, we like to pay our subs as quick as possible. And that was one of the frustrations that I've seen in the past is when when you get paid and then you delay payment for subs for other reasons, accounting reasons or, or manpower or, or 
just different reasons that in these subcontractors get strung out for 30, 60, 90, 120 days, it's not healthy. And so accounting to me, what I see the, the high value is, is making sure your subs get paid quickly. There's many subs that go out of business in good times because they have large contracts with multiple GCs and GCs are not thinking about getting their subs paid quickly. And so they get way overextended because they have huge labor force, they have huge material costs. And so for us, checks come in, checks go out very quick. And so that's always been a, a really important thing for our company to do. Business development. Business development is, is very crucial. It's, it's, I honestly, I hate going to events. I hate standing at a table and talking to people. My business partner, Garrett, he's great at it. He's, he's really good at, at getting to know people and talking to people. I just, I don't like it. I'm more of a one-on-one type of individual where I would rather take a client out to lunch or meet up with them and just continue to see how, just to make sure that everything's going well. Or meeting with a new client, just over coffee. I'm, it's, it's very crucial because you need to be able to always be in growth mode in expanding the business. So where do you get those people? You gotta meet the people, you gotta talk to them. You have to develop relationships for your business. And the last but not least, leadership. Leadership is probably one of the most important things on here because if you're not communicating to your team where you're going, then they have no idea what's going on. They, it just turns into another job. If you're not able to communicate your vision and your dream of either what the project goal is or what the company's goal is, and the, the team members can't see that. They don't, they don't hear it. They just see you come on the job site and, and bark about different issues. It's a problem. And they're going to probably either be unhappy or leave. So if, if you can't, if you can't provide that leadership, then you need to start working on those skills. Our goal is to, to build this company big enough so big that our team members, all of their goals and dreams can fit within this business. We want to see people having very nice houses, very nice lives, loving the work. Sometimes it's monotonous, sometimes it's painful, but still under, having a company that is there for them. And I've worked a lot on leadership over the past several years and it's just one of those things that if you want people to get in the trenches and fight for a project and fight for a company, they got to know where you're going and you're not going to be able to do that without proper leadership. Well, I want to thank you. Um, you know, when we go out and we, uh, we look for companies to be on this podcast and look for individuals with companies, uh, that, you know, impressive individuals. Um, it's actually you know, a, a pretty methodical way we go on about it. And we do, obviously we always try to get the best because 
the best podcast you can have is somebody who uh, is very successful. And uh, obviously, you're in that category. And great credit upon you and your company. It sounds like you guys have done a lot in a in a very short period of time, and you're on track to move forward and do something significant. And so I want to commend you for that. And uh, I want to give you, like I do all my guests, the opportunity to have the last, uh, uh, you know, the last thought, the last uh, word. And so with that said, you have the last word. I appreciate that. I would say if you're, if you're working for a company and you don't have the desire to go out on your own, there's nothing wrong with that. You can be a great entrepreneur within a business. And to do that, you need to be able to have the skills needed to move up. There's so many people that I've seen that'll jump from company to company after two to three years to go from engineer to senior engineer to PM to senior PM to executive. And you find out really quickly that they didn't get the foundational skills. So they, you need to spend the time and work hard learning those skills to get up to the next level. Because the last thing you want is to be an executive and get asked questions about how to do something or why you're doing something and not have the answer or you're bullshitting them. And then everybody can see through that. On the other side, if you do have the desire to take the risk and go out and start your own thing and build a company, you need to do just take massive action every single day towards your goals. It is relentless and it is difficult. It is 10 times more difficult than you can ever think that it is because there's so many different variables and so many different things that come in. But you just need to set your goals and work towards those goals every single day. You accomplish your goals, you get bigger goals and you keep moving. You build your vision, you build your desires, you build this life that you have and you just keep moving towards it and past your goals. Great advice, great podcast, great company. Join us next week for another session of Connects.